Let's make our confession. We believe in this church. We need to say what we believe. And uh, very important, everybody together, the word of God is truth. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Turn to somebody and say it's so simple. Michael and Christina, would you come down here just a second? I know I've put you on the spot. I didn't even tell you. You can be seated. And, uh, I, you know, I was thinking God is so good. And when Michael went by me to take the offering, I looked at him and I thought, look at what God has done to you. He's come around here in your lives. I mean, this is a miracle. I remember when you used to sit over there when you first came, remember? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's how we know people are leaving, by the way, when they start going to the back row, they're fixing to make an escape. Hallelujah. But they have stayed and done what God told them to do. And, um, you know, I just appreciate you. I appreciate what I'm getting ready to share today, what God can do, you know, um, in a woman. I know when Michael had to go over to Ohio, for, get some things straightened out. She stayed with it as difficult as it was. And, uh, just share a word about what Jesus has done for you. Everything. He's done everything for me. Yeah. I can't do anything without him. <laughs> and what about you, Michael? Where where you been to where you are now? Oh, he's changed my life. Uh, I think about stuff that I do now, and I always think to ask him first what I should do. And he's been working on my anger issues that I have, and he's brought my family back together, and, you know, all glory to him. Hallelujah. Let's give God praise. Thank you. Hallelujah. You know, God, God, I remember when they said, and it, they just look like there's no answer for this. How many of you ever been where there's no answer? Today he goes buying that white shirt and tie, and I thought, well, dear Jesus, look at this. I mean, not, yet, not that you have to dress up, but when you start doing things that show from the inside out that you feel like you're important, you're on the right track. It's not pride. It's not arrogance. I care about who I am. And so, you know, I believe that God can do that wherever you're at in your life today. God has a great answer for your life. Amen. Thank you, worship team. You're great. You're awesome. Give them a hand today. Where would we be without them? We wouldn't be worshiping like we do. Hallelujah. I remember when it was me on the grand piano. You want to see something really funny. Me and a grand piano and a junior high praise team. One played trumpet, one played flute, and one played the, trump, uh, the trombone. And that's how we did worship in the very beginning of our church. And we came from Tulsa where we were in a church of over six, 7,000 people where there was a huge orchestra and band and everything. We came to Lafayette, to Pioneer Church, and, and that was our band. But, you know, they love God. We got a drummer finally, and then we got a guitar player, and God's blessed us all the way through with a, being a church of worship. Everybody say worship. And when you worship God, his presence is there. So we're thankful for our worship team. Uh, last week, I shared a, a message on God's elected officials. And if you weren't here, you can always get the CD or listen online. But um, I talked about how we are, by grace, by God's grace, what Jesus did on Calvary, we are God's elected officials in the earth. In other words, uh, there's this kingdom of this world, and then there's the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, we are the elected officials. And we have authority in a realm that is different than the world we live in. It's a spiritual realm. So we have power over principalities and powers and the things that cause situations in this earth to come against people, to defeat people. 
Jesus died that we might have power over the spirit realm. Everybody say the spirit realm. Now, you may not be the elected official sitting downtown in an office of government or, you know, in, in our state government. Um, I don't think anybody in this church is in the federal government. If you are, maybe you're undercover. We won't tell. Um, but, you know, we have a lot of people in this church that uh, God has raised up in this hour to be a voice. Everybody say a voice. And a voice in the natural realm, but really birthed out of the spiritual realm. And so I felt today that um, women, we don't always preach a message just for women in this church. And I don't believe this message is just for women, but I believe that um, all of us have to fulfill the role that God gave us. And I believe that men have a role in the earth and they have the tools through the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill that role that they've been given. And then women have a role in the earth because Jesus or God said in Genesis 1 that let's create them in our image, them, meaning male and female. And then he said, and give them authority and dominion, male and female. So God clearly had a, a desire for men and women to rule and reign in the earth. And I can remember, um, my mother never did this, but uh, there were times when, my, when I was young, my dad, his a business that he started as we were probably in grade school, he left the position he was in in a, in a factory. He was a tool and die maker. He started his own business. And uh, his business was across the street. And uh, very rarely did my mother have to call my dad. But he was really close if she needed him. Hallelujah. You know the old saying, well, when your father gets home. Well, at our house, when father got home was immediately you know, not like when he gets home later. But my mother also in that house uh, was in charge. I mean, we knew, we knew we didn't have to wait for daddy to get home, for mother to take her position. And uh, there were a few times my sister and I pushed her to the limit. And uh, we had a house that, um, where there was a big hill. And uh, we would get into trouble sometimes. And, but we lived on a main highway in Logansport. It was just the Highway 25 that comes up out of Indy and goes all the way up north to South Bend. At that time, heavily traveled road. And so when we'd get in trouble and she'd get after us, we'd run up in the front yard and stand there, and she'd be down below the hill with the switch. You girls, get down here. we go, no, <laughs> we're not coming down there because we know what's down there. And, but she would not, she never gave up on taking care of business in our house. And it wasn't a beating, but we knew that we knew that my mom had authority in that home, just like my father. Now, when dad came across the street, it was uh, got a little more serious sometimes because, uh, you know, we could be in bigger trouble <laughs> if daddy came home. But uh, just because daddy had to come home and mother was having a challenge. But, you know, in the world today, there are a lot of challenges going on. And, and we want to put the uh, blame or excuses that we see for things being on someone else. But the body of Christ, God put in the earth to rule. We're here to rule. We're here to reign. And we're here to take authority and dominion in all arenas of life. And so today I want to talk about uh, women specifically. And I want to say this. It's not over. You know, I think sometimes in, as a woman, we can get discouraged by situations and circumstances and want to just give up. Uh, sometimes men don't even know there's a circumstance. Could I just say that again? They don't even know there's a problem <clears throat> because they're doing what they're doing. And we've been assigned 
to uh, take control of the atmosphere in our home. A woman means weaver, the woman who weaves an atmosphere in her home that makes everybody want to be there, not thinking, I wish I didn't have to go home. You know, it's, it's supposed to be that way. So when we take that position, then in our authority that we have there, we have the ability to, to not only change the atmosphere in our home, but change the atmosphere in other places because there's no distance in prayer. And when we realize that we've been placed in the earth to do those things, then the power of God is released in our life. And I, I think of the scripture where it says in Genesis 2, if you'd put that up for me, uh, it said man needed a helper. Now, that doesn't mean he, he couldn't take care of himself if he didn't have a woman. I believe God saw that there would be a greater authority in a male and a female together if he put them together, and there would be godly seed. That's the really the only way. Today, if you're here, uh, you are related to a woman. Could I say that again? <laughs> Everybody has a mom. It, none of us came out of a test tube. They're working on it, but they're never going to get that because I don't believe God will ever allow it. And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs, God did, and closed up the flesh in its place. I was listening to uh, one of the teachings that my sister uh, taught in our marriage classes that we did last month, and it said, woman is the only one not made from dirt. Isn't that nice, ladies? <laughs> we... We were not made out of dirt. God took a rib, though, out of a man. And, and so we're created in God's image as humans, not, not male. You know, God doesn't have half his face woman and half his face man. But we're created in the image of God. What does that mean? We're created in the authority. We're created to rule and reign like God does from heaven. And we're assigned that. So men have roles. Women have roles. It said that Adam needed a helper. And that helper was to complete, not compete. That helper was to have a position of authority. And so, you know, I, I've, I've talked over the years in counseling with my husband where men say, you know, I hate to come home because when I get home, the kids are all lined up for me to beat. <laughs> not beat, but, you know, for me to be the disciplinarian and that's it. And so the dad is always the bad guy. No, there should be rulership no matter who's in the house. And, and I thank God I had a family like that. I thank God, you know, my mother was not someone to mess with. Just want to say that. My mother's back there in the back row. She's still not someone to mess with. Uh, once a mother, always a mother. My mother's 92, and uh, she, she has a, an opinion, and she knows what she's saying. And she does know when things are not right. Uh, my uncle's back there, Gene. It's her half-brother, but he was raised like our brother. And uh, she'll say to me sometimes, I don't think things are going right with Gene. And Gene hadn't even called anybody, but things are not going right. He had two stints put in a couple of weeks ago or last week, and none of us knew it. But my mom's been saying to me, I don't think Gene's feeling good. And I'm saying, Mother, he looks great. Moms just know. Can I say that again? Moms just know. We're, we're assigned by God this little thing in us that God put in us that's radar or something that we're able to understand that things may not be the way they're supposed to be, but... We have authority to fix it. And I would like to say that to you today. It's not over. No matter what age your family is, no matter what age you are, uh, no matter what the situation or circumstance, no matter how bleak it is, that we have authority and we have dominion. And uh, I'm going to share a little, just a few scriptures, and then I want to tell you a story about a, a lady that I really admire. Um, it's Proverbs 14.1 says, a wise woman. Everybody say, a wise woman. 
can either build up her house or she can pull it down with her own hands. That says we have authority. If, if we couldn't build and we couldn't pull down, that would mean we didn't have any authority. But we have authority to build or we have authority to tear down. And um, I had uh, this year felt to do a series with the women all through the year, four different events. The first one was Wise Women Watch. And that was from Proverbs 31:27 says, a wise woman watches over the ways of her household. And then in June, when uh, Ruthie Sanders is going to be here, we're going to share on wise women wait. And that's from the scripture in Psalm 27 that in my life, there was a season where I was raising children by myself and it seemed like it was never going to get better. You know, that's, it's not over. I felt like it was about over <laughs> or it was going to be over. And in that Psalm, it says that I would have fainted or I would have given up if I had not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And something about that, when I saw that scripture, gave me hope. It wasn't when I get to heaven. How many of you know there's an old song that says, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing. And, you know, I was just uh, on the verge of giving up in my life. But that scripture really helped me. And, said, and it has a, above that, it says, even if my father and mother desert me, I will not give up. Because I still have God. I still have a father. And so that psalm meant a lot to me. So, But it says wait. You know, when you're in that position, wait. Wait on the Lord. Have courage, and he will strengthen you. And so that's the scripture for that. And then the third one was wise women war. And uh, I've learned over my life as a believer, there are times when I have to go to war for what I believe. Uh, I don't know if you saw the movie War Room, but it talks about a woman who had to go to war for her marriage. You know, sometimes we have to go to war for our kids, and we don't see anything. But we are warriors in, in the spirit realm. We can stand in that place and fight for our children, and we don't give up. And it says in Matthew 11 that the violent take it by force. You know, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Do you know if you go back in the old covenant, you'll find out they had kids that act just like yours. This is not a new thing. Rebellion has been in the earth since Satan took it over. And so we're still fighting that. So we're women of war. We, we know how to fight. And, and, you know, we're not crybabies. We may cry while we're warring, but we're not babies about it. We are mature, and we understand who our fight is with. And then lastly, women win. Uh, wise women win, which is from the scripture for all of us. You know, it's in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, where it says, Now thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our husbands, through our friends, no, through our Lord Jesus Christ. So be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, and know that it will not be in vain. How, how many of you ladies would say, wow, I thought that, I didn't think that was ever going to work. You know, it's not in vain. God knows where you are, and he is for you in the midst of what you're going through. So I would say this today, that um, we have examples in the Word of God. I was reading about Deborah in the Word of God, just in my daily Bible reading, and uh, she became a judge just after Joshua. Now, it's important to know, we talked last week about Joshua and how he lived. Um, there were four things that it said in, in a commentary by John Maxwell. He lived ahead of his contemporaries. He lived above his circumstances. He lived deeper than any calamities that he faced. And he lived beyond his capabilities. Those four things. He lived ahead, second above. He lived deeper. Everybody say deeper. And I found as a woman, there's been a lot of times I've had to live deeper than my emotions, deeper than my situation, deeper than, 
you know, the pain, there's pain sometimes in being who God called you to be, whether you're a man or a woman. There's times where it's just hard to walk through those places. But you live deeper than that. What's that mean? You're so rooted and grounded in God's word that when those things come, you do not back down. Now, listen, I was never like this as a young person. I was weak. I was fearful. Anybody asked me to get up and get in front of people, I would find, I I would feel sick. I, I just wanted to go to my room or get me out of there. So God changed who I was. He changed how I thought about things, and this is how he changed me. God is for me, so who can be against me? Something changed. Something became a, a, a core root in me that said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. The word took root, and when the word took root, some people would think, you know, maybe she's just hormonal. You know, maybe it's not going to last long. Maybe next week she'll be all right again. It's not like that. Everybody say it's not like that. See, a woman who has her roots in Jesus is not hormonal. She is powerful. And she's powerful on Monday or Friday night. She's powerful if her kids are doing the right thing or doing the wrong thing. She's powerful powerful if her husband goes off and does something. Because her power, her anointing is a core value so to speak in her life so you know as i looked at this and and i made a little magnet uh, megan helped me it's a puzzle so you have three pieces and it says wise women war they win wise women watch and they wait and you can pick this up at the end of the service and i want you to get that picture of yourself ladies in this church we have business to take care of not just for our lives, but for all the people that are going to come into this church. And, you know, I've been in this business uh, for the Lord for a long time. And it is not something that ends next week when everybody gets all right. Because as sure as one of you gets all right, somebody else is going to get attacked. <laughs> Y'all are like those, what is it, that used to come up out of the ground? You get that one down, then another one pops up out of the ground. This life we live in is full of opportunities. Everybody say opportunities for all of us to be strong, but especially women. And right now in our political natural realm, we have a lot of women who are basing who they are and what they think on how strong they are. I'm telling you, without Christ, I could do nothing. Without Christ, you can do nothing. And without Christ, they can do nothing. But they're not aware of it. But we are aware and we're taking our authority and dominion. And as I looked at Deborah, the, the prophetess, the judge, it says a judge governs rules, uh, makes an official decision. Uh, it's, an, it's a faculty found always in God and sometimes in man that produces decisions based on justice, rightness, and equity. There's not one word there that says emotion. And so I believe that we as women have the ability to uh, make decisions and, and have to make decisions on a daily basis. You know, I remember when my boys were young. I mean, they would fight. Well, they, they called it playing until it turned bad. Things started going wrong. Then it became a fight. And then when it, somebody finally was crying after I would have said, I don't know how many times, stop it before somebody gets. Yes, you've been there. And so by the time I would get it stopped, it, it, they were screaming and crying, and look what he did to me. And really, there was, you know, I had to make a righteous decision. You're both wrong. Go to your room. 
because there was no way to divide who did what first because you don't really always know. Sometimes the most quiet one is causing the most trouble. <laughs> Found that out. Hallelujah. The one that's screaming the loudest may not be the one who did it. And so, but we had to make righteous judgments. You know, I had to make righteous judgments. You have to make those. And they're not based on what you see, what you feel, or what you think. Righteous judgments are made upon the word of God and what God's saying. And God's desire is always to make people better, to encourage, to edify, to exhort, and cause them to be who they're supposed to be. And as I looked at her life, you know, God called upon her to uh, go to the leader of the military and tell him, didn't God tell you that you're supposed to go to war against uh, their enemy? And, uh, and the, he said, well, I'm not going to go if you don't go with me. Well, she just went right with him, got her battle armor on, and off she went in the middle of that situation. And I don't have time for that story today. But in the end, she was called a mother in Israel. That was the title, a mother in Israel. Well, that means she just took her authority. She took her position over that nation as a judge who she was called to be. And when she did that and went along with the military leader, who was a man, see, that battle was not about man and wo or woman. That battle was about a spiritual battle. And obviously, Deborah had heard from God because she went to him and said, didn't God tell you to do this? She had to have heard that from God to go and tell him that. But she was a prophetess. And so she went and delivered that word. She not only delivered the word, she went to battle. And they did win because God defended them. Actually, when they got in the battle, God sent hailstones and destroyed more of the army than they ever destroyed in their natural ability. God will do that for us as ladies, as women, for our families and for our children. And um, I was thinking as I was looking at this whole message, um, before I got close to Mother's Day, um, you know, the Osteen family um, were key. They were instrumental in my life when my life changed in 1979. That's a long time ago. But when that happened, I moved to Tulsa. And uh, John and, and Dodie Osteen's oldest son, Paul, was in the medical school there. Some of you have heard me tell that story. And, um, and he was just very kind to me and to my children. And uh, I was a wreck at that point. My, my life was not right when I first got there. And and he was one of the first people I encountered because in the medical school, school, there were 20 students. And the people who were the deans in the office I was in had not arrived in that office yet. So I, as, as the administrative person, was in charge of making sure all those medical students' needs were met. And so Paul started coming in there as, as well as the rest of them. But I don't know what caused him to do this. But one day he came and he gave me one of his dad's tapes, John Osteen's tape. And I listened to that tape. And at that time, uh, I didn't know anything about their life. I, I really did not know until I recently got this book, which I put in the bookstore for everybody, especially the ladies, to read. But um, at that time, I didn't really know who they were. I just knew that he gave me tapes. And their, their ministry was called Oasis of Love. It was Lakewood Church, but kind of their vision that they projected was Oasis of Love. And the Lord had told me, I'm going to heal you, and I'm going to fill you so full of my love that you will never walk in fear again. Uh, I didn't have any idea how God could do that. I didn't know anybody that would help me. I wasn't in a big, powerful church or anything. I was in a little tiny church in a little community that was a suburb. But God put Paul Osteen in my office, and he began to bring me those tapes. 
And I would put those earphones in and I would listen to tapes while I worked because I didn't have anybody else in the office with me. So I began to listen to tapes. So he saw that I was listening, so he brought me more and more tapes. And in that time of my life, I grew from being a fearful, uh, just almost scared to do anything for fear I'd do the wrong thing. Have any of you ever been there? Like, you know, I just might as well not do anything because if I do, it's going to be a mess. And so I went from being that to in the summer, I went there in February. In the summer, I went to a Kenneth Hagin meeting. And when I went to that meeting, he was a man that preached on faith. Uh, John Osteen was there with his wife. And Paul had said to me, my parents are going to be there. And if you'll meet me, I'll introduce you to my mom and dad. And I didn't really know that they were like who they were. I mean, but they had a big booth and they were like somebody. And, uh, and uh, you know, I mean, they were known in that realm of the word of faith. And uh, he introduced me, and they handed me a packet. And John Osteen said to me, these are for you. You read these, and God will change your life. And, he, and they talked to me. I don't remember everything they say, but I remember them giving me these books. And these are just four of them. There were ten. And I started reading these books, Pulling Down Strongholds, How to Claim the Benefits of the Will, How to Demonstrate Satan's Defeat. I didn't even know I had an enemy. I didn't even know that the enemy was the devil. I thought my enemy was my ex-husband. <laughs> and the lady he married, I was sure they were, sure she was. And so, you know, my whole life, my whole world was threatened by all these people. Never did I think about the devil. Didn't even know who it was. This one I wore out. This is, this is one of the older ones. I mean, you, I mean, I read this one a lot to keep my thoughts in the right direction that I did not have to fight people that there was a force that hated me and was going to destroy my life and he was going to use somebody being my help to do it somebody's going to fix this have you ever thought that just find somebody to fix this for me and that's what I thought that's what the world thinks today this is the one that really changed my life there's a miracle in your mouth and at the end of it there was a confession it said say this over your life every day so I started saying it over my life every day. And do you know, in about six months, I came home for Christmas, and people looked at me in this city that were people who knew me and say, what happened to you? Because my whole countenance had changed because I put the word of God. But it was him, John Osteen, that I listened to. I've, I never was in his church when he preached. I only heard him on those tapes over and over and over. But it changed my life forever. And so I wanted to share with you today about his wife because uh, Dodie, <clears throat> at that time, they have five children, uh, and they had all five of them in 10 years, which is a pretty busy household for a woman. But uh, when they met, he was um, a man who had be, been divorced, and he was a pastor of a Baptist church. Now, by the grace of God and mercy of God, they voted to keep him even though this divorce happened. It wasn't a divorce he was wanting, uh, but it happened. How many of you know sometimes things happen? They just happen, and you can try to figure out why they happen, but it's, sometimes God just takes you on from there. And so, um, you know, she was in his congregation, and she, as a young person, uh, had um, said, one day, I am going to be married to a preacher. And I am going to have four or five kids, and I am going to be a nurse. And she accomplished all of that. God did that. He put it in her heart, and he gave her the desires, 
and that's what happened. But she didn't expect it to be in the way God did it. It was her pastor. And so she was working in this hospital, and uh, she said he would come to visit people that were sick. And so when she'd see him, you know, she'd greet him as her pastor. But then suddenly she said he started showing up all the time at the hospital. She said, I thought they must have the, we must have the sickest people in town in our church. And then real, she said she realized he was, looking at, he was looking to talk to her. And long story short, they ended up together. They got married and uh, continued in, in the ministry. Now, Dodie, and, and this is, keep, keep this in mind, it's not over. Everybody say it's not over. See, it's never over. So out of their background, uh, John Osteen had a real compassion for people who had been divorced. He didn't give up on people. He never said it's over. And so uh, when, when she married him as a child, she had had polio. That's what they, have, and they finally diagnosed it as. Uh, the cord was wrapped around her neck when, before she was born. Uh, no, that was her daughter. I'm sorry. Her, she, she got sick, had a virus, and all of a sudden she, she couldn't function, couldn't walk. And when they, now that's several years ago, most of you maybe in here don't, may not even know what polio is, but it was very prevalent when I was a, a young child. Uh, they gave you vaccinations against polio. Long story short, her leg uh, was very badly deformed and very small. In fact, she said, I still have to buy my shoes for my right foot in the children's department. And so she has this tiny little leg. So, you know, to her, that would be a hindrance to be in the pastor's wife in a church. You know, she's got this tiny little leg. And, and, uh, but she said one day, uh, it was really T.L. Osborne. He's an evangelist out of Tulsa. But he saw her in a meeting and said, oh, look at Dodie. She walks like a princess. Well, she said, I really walk like with a limp. But when he said that to me, I changed my whole thought process about myself. Just that one man's word over her life changed her life to be who God called her to be. So it wasn't over for her in that arena. She said even her little granddaughter one time said to her mom, oh, look, mom, grandma's leg is so tiny. It's so cute. <laughs> so she said, I have, I, I, it never bothered me, you know, that I had that happen, you know, to hold me back. The devil wants to hold us back. He wants to say, you know, because you have this wrong with you or that, maybe it's a physical thing, it's over. You know, you're not going to be able to do that. When they, when they were married, uh, she had her first son, which was Paul, the one that I knew. And then the next daughter, Lisa, was born. She had the cord wrapped around her neck. And they said it affected her like cerebral palsy and that she would never walk, maybe never talk again. Now, I want you to watch how, you know, when you know who you are, everybody say, know who you are. Who you are. And you're seeking God, uh, male or female. Uh, in this situation, she and John began to pray for this little girl. Out of this, he was a Baptist preacher, but he really had never focused on healing. I mean, salvation, yes, but not healing. And it, it pushed them to start looking for scriptures, and they started looking for scriptures and found miracle scriptures. And, it's, and it says in that book that, that John realized miracles weren't for back there. Miracles were for today. And he began to pray. Well, out of the midst of that, he also began to seek God because when he talked about miracles, he got into the gifts of the Spirit. And when he got into the gifts of the Spirit, he got into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, then he decided he wanted the baptism of the Holy Spirit because he wanted power for his 
child to be healed. And so out of all of this, he ultimately got filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, what that got him was uh, a trial for heresy in the Baptist church because they didn't believe in that. And so out of that situation, uh, he used to say on the tapes I listened to, well, you know, when I got the left foot of fellowship, I moved on. (laughs) But really what happened, they voted. They did vote to put him out. But in that vote, the people did not want him to be gone. But he had stood in the pulpit, and as he was teaching on the gifts of the Spirit, he, he he got to a place where he couldn't figure out what he was saying. He shut the Bible and said, I don't know what I'm talking about, and ended the message. Which threw the whole church into a tizzy. <laughs> the pastor just says he doesn't know what he's talking about. How are we supposed to know what he's talking about? And so, you know, this was a man who, you know, and a woman who put their whole confidence, whole trust in God. And uh, out of that situation, that's how Lakewood Church started. They, they, they were voted to stay in. Actually, the people voted him in. But they felt that that would cause division with the ones that still were against him. So they, they chose to leave. And when they chose to leave, out of that, they birthed Lakewood Church, the first church. Now, they, they birthed it in a feed store. You know, it really gave me comfort because we started in a basement. I thought, well, at least it wasn't a feed store. I mean, we had tile and bathrooms, you know, and we even had a couple of windows. And, uh, and then out of that, if you'll put those pictures up, these aren't real clear because we had to scan them, but... Uh, East Houston Feed and Hardware, Perina Chow's. That was their first building. They founded it on Mother's Day, and uh, his first message was no limits. So when I was planning this this whole message and the one from last week, I had felt to use that song. And then when I read the book, I thought, well, it's going to be Mother's Day, and and it, there's no limit. There's no limit for this church. No limit for your life. No limit as a woman. Then they built uh, this building debt free, and then they went from there to this building with five or eight thousand, and now, of course, the compact center. And uh, our our Miss Ashley back there with her babies attends that church in Houston, and there's five services with sixteen thousand people in attendance every Sunday. Everybody say legacy, legacy. And I believe you can turn the lights back up. I believe that. Um, that the two of them together, but I believe she had to take her position as the woman in that house. And when you read her book, it, the book, of, and it's back there if you'd like to buy it. We just have a few copies, but it says, if my heart could talk. How many of you ladies would like to write a book about if your heart talked? <laughs> it might be, well, we'll just say it might not be the best idea. <laughs> Hallelujah. But she wrote about everything. She wrote about what happened, how they walked through all these situations that they encountered. They had a a letter uh, that appeared to be mail for John Osteen, his daughter Lisa, the one that had the trouble uh, with in her babyhood. Uh, She opened it and a bomb blew up, shot her across the room. They tried to kill him. You know, some things that people go through... uh, God gives them the victory, but they go through them. Everybody say, we go through them. And so uh, Dodie, at age 48, went to the doctor, had not been feeling well, went to the doctor. Her son, Paul, the one I knew, was a, he had actually taken a position, internship in Houston, and he had encouraged his mom, you need to go to the doctor. She went to the doctor, and she had metastatic cancer of the colon, or of the liver, of the liver, a big tumor, 
two small tumors, and none of them the primary tumor. tumor. The doctors just said you have uh, just a few weeks. Even with chemotherapy, it wouldn't make a difference. You have that just a few weeks. And so she and John went home and prayed, and she said, uh, my husband put his hands on me and said, you are healed by the stripes of Jesus, began to pray over her life. She wrote down scriptures, and I just heard her on um, Daystar, and uh, she shared this. She shared she had made a CD with the scriptures, and so I ordered it. I wanted to hear it. And it's, it's several scriptures, probably 30, 40 scriptures. And she said, when I listened to the CD, she said, I say these to this day over my life. Every morning when I get up, I say these scriptures. I've never stopped saying them since I was 48 years old. She said, I don't, I don't leave for the airport. I get up early. If I have to leave at 4 in the morning, I get up in time to say these scriptures. Everybody say, say the word. So, you know, if you're going to be this woman that takes authority or a man, you have to put the word of God ahead of everything else. That's how these things happen. You know, they didn't just go from a feed store to 5,000 to 8,000 to 16,000 in five services because somebody said, oh, don't they preach good? Well, you don't, you don't go to a strong household just because you attend a church. You, you don't have victory just because you got a Bible. You have to put that word in your heart. And, and she said that th- those scriptures to her are what feeds her life every single day. And she said, I asked God when it happened, like Hezekiah, for more years. I said, could you give me 25 or 30? Because she said, I still had a, a, a young lady in high school. But she said... Uh, she realized a couple of years ago that she'd already passed that. So she renegotiated with Jesus, she said, and she's up to 90 now or something, you know, to believe God for. But, you know, I I wanted to share her story because uh, I believe that God calls us to do great things for God. But uh, Joshua failed as a leader only in one area. Everything God told him came to pass, but he never provided for those people another person to take his place he had no legacy well if you look at the osteen family there's been legacy you know once once john took it and i heard paul or uh, joel preach once you know all of us behind us could have cursing uh, on family lines things that happen we can look back and say well you know it's uncle harry he you know he drank like a fish and now this person drinks and we can and, and that's true a lot of that is true we can break those however Paul said, why do we keep looking at the curse? Why don't we look at the blessing? And let's be the first one to start the blessing over our family. And so I believe that you see it as you look at their family and how God now, Joel stands in an auditorium in the compact center, and I've heard him say on television that every time I step on the platform, I remember that this is my daddy's building. He got this. He got this for us. And so, you know, legacy is very important Uh, women as we go through life and I'm just going to read a few little stories about things that happened in their life because I I think that they're really um, they're really interesting Um, Dodie was kind of feisty uh, and she says she was in this book but one time they were on their way to church and all the kids started doing stuff in the car you know and they're on their way for him to preach and they're all together and uh, they got to cutting up she said even I started laughing I thought it was funny and he didn't think it was funny and he got angry with them. So she said, we got in church, and uh, by the time we got to church, it says John was flustered. Once we got on the platform together, he realized that he had forgotten the man's name. 
whom he was about to address from the pulpit. So he whispered to me, because they were always together, and asked me what it was. And I whispered back, I won't tell you until you tell me you're sorry. <laughs> and they're on the platform. And he whispered a little louder the second time, Dodie, tell me what the, that man's name is. And she said, I just repeated not until you tell me you're sorry. I did this in the middle of a service on a platform. I was a little character. I still am. Ask my kids. Finally, John told me he was sorry, and I told him the man's name. He thought it was funny, but not until the next day. <laughs> so, you know, she, she, was not, she was not a person that just, you know, uh, I think sometimes women feel like they just have to be a yes person. We're not made to be yes people, but we are called to complete one another. And, and if he'd have got up to preach in a strifeful situation, it might not have been good. Sorry was necessary. Everybody say, sometimes <laughs> sorry is necessary. And then this, this one I, I, I think is um, just a really good story because, you know, there's times, and I've experienced this with my husband, uh, Pastor Bill, he, likes, he, he only does things if he hears from God. I mean, truly, that's, that's the way we run our lives. And I don't do a lot of things unless I hear from God. But sometimes I can get something on the spur of the moment. You know, something just, but I just feel it's God. And I tell him, and it's like, well, I don't know. Let me pray about it. I'm thinking we won't have time to pray about this. Because if we wait to pray, the, the moment will pass. But, but she said she had an opportunity like that with her husband. And she said, I'm thankful I had a husband of integrity because out of it, she learned that her source is not her husband. Her source is God. And, and sometimes we just want somebody else to do it for us. And she said one of the main ways uh, that God did this was uh, one late summer afternoon. We were driving home from church, and I mentioned to him that God had put in my heart to give money to people I saw who were in need. And that school was about to begin. I knew there were a lot of single moms in our church. They needed school supplies. And, uh, and, and so she said, I asked John for $500 in $50 and $100 bills to, hurt, to give out to hurting people. He thought about it for a minute. Then he kindly said, Dodie, if I felt led to, I would give it to you. But I don't feel led to do that right now. I was crushed. I thought, how dare he turn me down? So for a while, I went through the house calling him Stingy Gut. I wouldn't let the children say the word gut because I didn't think it sounded nice. So I said it when they weren't around. <laughs> I was a little rascal, but he never budged. But he did laugh every time I said anything about it. A few days later, a man in our church called to ask if he could come by and talk to John. I told the man to come over because he was home, so he came. A few minutes later, John screamed, Dodie, come in here. So he, he asked the man to tell me what he had told him. This precious man told me that God had spoken to his heart to go to the Osteen home and give Dodie $2,500 in $50 and $100 bills and ask that it would specifically be given to people in need. Can you believe that? It was, a, it was the very thing I told my husband in the car. You would have thought that man was sitting in the back seat of the car when I said that to John. But out of that... You know, that strength that I, that produced in her to have confidence in God was watching out after what they had need of. And so I, I say to you today, you know, if there's situations, especially for women, where I see this more from this perspective, sometimes uh, a husband is not able to provide 
everything that a family needs and a woman thinks it's an emergency and sometimes it is but if if we make a too big a deal out of it like it can make like my husband it can make him feel like he's not providing everything that I need and it becomes then a, a place where he feels less than because he can't do what I want I don't have to be concerned I just ask God everybody say ask God ask God he knows what we have he knows everything that we have need of and as I as I read this uh, book um, she talks about she she was with John and or with um, Paul and Joel and her car wouldn't start at the airport at two in the morning after one of those hope conferences and uh, the boys both worked on it couldn't get it going finally Paul said just get in my car I'll take you home you can have mine she said no I have a funeral tomorrow I need my car and Joel said mom get in the car I'll give you get in my car you can have it I'll you know we we've got to go we can't stay here all night she said just give me my keys so they gave her the keys she got in her car and her daughter Lisa said to her daughter who was sitting in another car watching she said watch this grandma's about to command her car to start in the name of Jesus and she said sure enough that's what I did I got in there I told that car to start in the name of Jesus <laughs> turned the key started right up she said I circled a couple of times to let him see and then I just sped off <laughs> at two in the morning everybody say confidence you know when you have confidence in Jesus miracles can happen and sometimes it's just starting a car sometimes it's just doing what you have to do out of all those things that church that you see on television that you don't see all this every day but there's people in that church who are living by faith everybody say living by faith and because they're living by faith great and mighty exploits paul osteen or john or joel osteen and his wife hold those crusades those hope uh, a night of hope around the United States and thousands of people are going to those not just a church but now people who would not even go to a church are going to those and receiving Jesus as their Lord and Savior nothing is impossible for God when we become who we're supposed to be I believe men are to take their position in the earth right now we are desperate for fathers we are desperate for men who will take care of their family. We talked about that last month. We are desperate for women who are not women who are after a cause to prove who they are, but they're after the cause of Jesus Christ to prove that he is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we do have rights, but they're no different than the rights of men. It's the same rights. It's the rights the Word of God gives us. We don't have a right to kill babies. We don't have a right to make decisions for our life apart from the truth of the Word of God. We have a right to stand on the truth of the Word of God. And we can be righteous judge, a righteous judge of circumstances and situations. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you for everybody here this morning. I thank you that you have created to ha us to have dominion. And I believe that um, just the...